This time loop thing. How did you get out of it? Oh, I simply boosted the circuits and broke free. You came back of your own accord? Well, I... Doctor? No. No, I'm afraid not. Now, obviously, the Time Lords have programmed the TARDIS always to return to Earth. It seems that I'm some kind of a galactic yo-yo. Welcome to Galactic Yo-Yo, the podcast where Doctor Who fans share their unpopular opinions of the world and I have to deal with them. I'm your host, Molly Marsh, and I'm in my house right now because where else would I be? Um, I've just had to go into uh, an empty bedroom to record this and I said to my girlfriend Cass, um, I'm going to go and record my podcast intro now, which isn't really how these intros are supposed to sound. They're supposed to be bit more spontaneous, I'm on the way home from work, I'm out and about, I'm in a tube station, um, but you know, those are things we don't do anymore, so I've, I've had to kind of resort to this walking around an empty bedroom with the big light off uh, kind of atmosphere instead. Uh, anyway, um, I recorded for the first time in absolutely ages a regular, straightforward episode of Galactic Yo-Yo. Um, it's been a while, because my, my last couple of episodes have been special ones. I obviously did episode 100, which I hope you enjoyed. Before that was my um, commentary track of um, The Rings of Akatem with Will. And then before that was all my uh, Series 12 reviews, um, way back at the start of the year. So it's been quite a long time since I've just sat down with somebody um, and asked them about their unpopular Doctor Who opinion. So it was nice to get back to the, the traditional Galactic Yo-Yo format. I recorded this um, first episode of the sort of new wave of podcasts, I guess, um, a a couple of weeks ago, actually. And I've been sitting on it a while and I've got um, more guests booked into the diary. So I'm, I'm excited to get back on the, on the Galactic Yo-Yo train. Um, this first episode, though, um, my guest is uh, FailWhale34 on YouTube. His real name is Michael. Um, you've all seen his reaction videos, I'm sure. He reacts to... New Who episodes, and he's, I think he's up to series 10 now um, on YouTube. Uh, and his energy is just, I say this to him on the podcast, but, the, you know, his energy is just totally infectious. Um, and, yeah, I really love his videos. So it's great to, to sit down and chat to Michael about his, not just his Doctor Who journey, but his journey into becoming a full-time YouTuber as well. Um, and, yeah, some of his more spiky uh, unpopular opinions uh, about the show. It was actually interesting to approach uh, unpopular opinions with Michael um, because he's not really an active member of fandom because he has to stay away from spoilers in order to do his reaction videos properly. Properly, so um, he's ended up in a situation where he kind of wasn't sure what constituted an unpopular opinion. But is anybody uh, really? Anyway, th- this has been an almighty, uh, an almighty waffle. Uh, so. I'm going to let you enjoy the conversation now. But yeah, more guests coming up. Uh, I hope, I hope, I hope that I can get out there and do some real-life face-to-face podcasts soon. But it's Skype for the time being, and I'm actually taking advantage of that 
by speaking to some people over in the States and over elsewhere in the world. So, um, yeah. Anyway, without further ado, here is my conversation with Michael Failwell34 on YouTube. Please enjoy. Well, I'm here with um, Michael, uh, a.k.a. Failwell34. Uh, um, this is the first galactic yo-yo of a, a new sort of um, wave of episodes, I suppose. Um, it's great to be recording them again. How's it going, Michael? Doing pretty good. We were just talking about it before. It's a little early in the on on my time. Yeah, in, uh, yeah. So in you're Toronto. you're in Canada. Yeah, you're in Canada, right? Yeah, I know. Surprisingly, everyone's like, oh, I remember in, in, in the comments like earlier on, they're like, yo, like this guy's from like America, like like specifically like, the U.S. And I'm and I'm like, no, guys, I'm from I'm from I'm from Toronto, Canada. Yeah, because I I I thought you were from the U.S. until this morning when I was watching one of your videos in preparation and I saw the little. Uh, icon that says Toronto underneath your video, and I was like, "Oh shit, he's from Canada." I better, I better make sure I don't um, accidentally accuse him of being an American. <laughs> no, it's totally <laughs> fine. I mean, it's it's like if you see somebody on YouTube, like I don't even blame you. Um, yeah, yeah. Just, but if you hear the A's, though, if you hear the A's, that's that's the telling sign. Well, wait, hang on. What? So what's the what's the what are the telltale signs of a Canadian accent? Um, if if I say if I say if you notice I say A a lot, mm. that like even though that sounds sort of stereotypical, like it's I I just typically say A. Like um, like in between words or like as a yeah I'll, oh cool I'll, I'll 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 say sort of like I'll I'll sort of end off things like a or like when I'm like really excited about something like oh no freaking ha no no freaking way eh oh weird okay I'll look out it's for that next yeah, time it, I yeah I'm yeah, trying to determine someone's accent cool so yeah I I obviously I first became aware of you because of your um your YouTube reaction videos um that you've been making for the last sort of two years now is that right. To to Doctor Who, I mean. Yes, I believe it's it's getting around that. I, I think it just passed the two year mark. Actually, cool. I think it was May twenty eighteen, something along that. But uh, line. If, so, have you been on YouTube uh, kind of much longer than that, or or is that roughly the 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 life lifetime of your YouTube channel generally? So I I actually been doing YouTube for about uh, three years prior to that. So mm. I think March March twenty fifteen, I believe, is when I I first started. Okay. Um, yeah. March 2015. Uh, and you react to all kinds of shows on there, right? Yeah, I I do. Um, I I think when I when I first started off, I actually did comic book reviews. I did stuff like Miles Morales. Like I, just, I was a kid in high school, you know. Uh, I just talked about stuff that I liked, and uh, mm -hmm. I talked to my teachers about it and my friends, and uh, I sort of tried to transition that to to YouTube as I was graduating. So mm -hmm. um, I did comic reviews, and then uh, I went to uh, I went back home to where, where you know my background. I'm from Ethiopia. And I was there, and I was like, you know what? Like, I really want to give this YouTube thing a, a proper go again. So then I came back, and uh, I, I'm like, you know, what? I want to talk about TV shows and movies, and just do reviews. So started doing TV show reviews for Fear the Walking Dead and um, cool. some other shows I was just into at the time. And what, then what, what it was it about? What was it about going to Ethiopia that made you that sort of inspired you to get back on the YouTube train? Then you know what? It was like I was there. It was sort of like you know. I was just connecting a little bit personally, and I'm like, I'm starting a new chapter in my life. I was just finishing university, I mean, uh, call, uh, high school and going to university, and I'm like, you know what? Okay, this is a big pivoting point in my life. Mm -hmm. This YouTube thing, I I feel like there's something there. Uh, my best friend at the time, Sam, shout out to Sam, uh, Team Samurai X1. He had a, a small following of like 10k at the time doing mm -hmm. Yu-Gi-Oh mm -hmm. videos, and he sat me down. He's like, Yo, like, listen, I think you can really do it. Think about it when you go on your trip. Come back, and if you need help, I can help you. So okay, cool. So I sort of wrote down, I said, okay, I'm working on my, my pilot script for this TV show I was doing at the time. I was working on music. I was working on YouTube. 
And I think one other thing, I'm like, okay, these are the four pillars. When I get back, I need to be, I need to do one of these things religiously. Mm -hmm. Like I need to be dedicated to one of these things. And then, um, YouTube was just a thing that I guess, I don't know, just, it was just the thing I was putting the most effort into. And then, um, yeah, just Ethiopia. I think it was just being with my family and the reflection and just motivation, I guess. That's that's what that trip really did to me, visiting family. Helped. That's so cool. And it's really paid off, right? You've got like a 100,000 subscribers now? It's crazy. It's so weird. It's like, uh, uh, yeah. What's funny, though, is that wait, thinking about the internet now, like you, you talked about your friend there, who Sam, who encouraged you to start YouTubing properly. And like you said, he had a, he had a small following, a modest following at the time of, of 10,000 people. And when you think about like that number of people, like in real life like 10,000 is not a small number of people I remember like oh no I remember like watching YouTube um in like 2008 2009 like in the early mm -hmm. days of vloggers and I was watching people who had like 20,000 subscribers or 15,000 subscribers and that was like huge like no one no one had heard of anybody having like 100,000 subscribers it's crazy how like the ways in which we we respond to those kind of numbers has changed in like the 10 years in the past in the past 10 years. oh no totally man i i'm with you on that like i used to watch all these you know these these vloggers back in the day or like i used to watch this like this one guy who did specific and there's so like in, some of these channels back in the day used to be so specific and they are still now but um you just see them it's like wow it's it's so crazy to see how you know some of them have developed over the years mm -hmm. So what made you want to start? Obviously, you were reacting to other shows already and you were doing your comic book reviews and stuff. What made you think, okay, Doctor Who sounds like a thing I should be reacting to? Because I know you, you hadn't really seen Doctor Who before. Yeah. So I think it was it was like May 28th, uh, May, what was it? Uh, April or something like that. And I was like, okay, I want to try and... I had just slowly started to try new shows out at the time. Um, and I think one of the shows I, I, I was really liking and I noticed that like... You know, I, I think at the time I had I had the 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 notion that oh I'm just gonna keep doing things that I like, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, that I think I like, which is like you know just cape superhero shit like the mm -hmm, CW mm -hmm. network, right? Um, and then I'm like, you know what? Why don't I try? I think my buddy Nick was like, you should try like other stuff, and I was like, oh, like what would you recommend? So he was like, yeah, like you should try. You know, we're just like, why don't we try like a sci-fi show? I was like, okay, sure, why not? What like what are some big sci-fi shows? I I don't I don't really know. I think he mentioned. Um, like like a, like a handful of things and he said like doctor who and he was sort of like looking online he's like yeah man like i think you should you should go for that one i said you know what all right nick let's go for it i trust you mm. let's do it mm. um so that's sort of how i just went about it um and like and you obviously you'd heard of doctor who before but like what was your impression of it as somebody who'd never really seen it and i you know it's obviously not as big in canada as it is is here in the uk like what was your yeah what, yeah, what was your knowledge of it beforehand I'm trying to I'm trying to remember. I believe it was like I had a I had a teacher in high school, if I remember. He mm -hmm. was super big at all in the sci-fi stuff, but I mean I hadn't seen Star Trek or anything like that. So like I kinda just in my mind just sort of lumped it up together. Like I didn't really I couldn't just I can't distinguish what's what. Right, right. Um but I think he was really big in a Doctor Who, but like I never really paid any attention to it. Um I think all I knew was that there was a blue something blue, like a big blue thing, which was obviously the TARDIS, but I had no idea what it was. So it's so a next to nothing pretty much. In terms of literally, li like knowledge. literally, like yeah, pretty much. See, this is what is so cool about your videos, and what I think is so exciting for people about them is that you you're just you're spoiled on nothing. Do you know what I mean? Like I was watching my, one of my favorite videos of yours that I've seen is the one where you watch oh, no um, the parting of the ways. 
um, and you see uh, Eccleston regenerating to Tenant, and you just have no idea like what is going on there, and you like you just you just stand there like you just sit there in your chair like completely um, completely silent, just like gobsmacked, and then you get up out of your chair. <laughs> you walk out of the, your bedroom <laughs> and you close the door and you go like what the hell outside <laughs> the door and it's so yeah. it's so amazing to because like as Doctor Who like, I've been a Doctor Who fan since I was like eight years old or seven years old so like I I I'm basically I'm spoiled on, I'm pretty much spoiled on everything like even classic stories that I haven't seen I'm spoiled on so it's amazing to get to vicariously experience all those surprises through somebody else online thank you so much man I, you know, and i i think that's one of the with the crazy like the crazy and like fun things about reaction videos especially if you getting you know in really involved with the show um and i think that's something that happened to me uh it, it just it's just so much fun mm-hmm. i find um and like in going through reaction videos especially in that sort of a way where like the way i sort of digest tv shows now is completely different mm-hmm. um and I, I, I just, I'm, I'm so like engrossed in that kind of, kind of, you know, um, I guess style now, and it's just so much fun. I, I love it. Like I can't watch trailers anymore, honestly, man. Like, I, I, I've tried to avoid everything because it's just, it, it, it's, I find it more enjoyable. I find spoilers and stuff like that for me, at least. I know there's other people don't, but I find it almost ruins, kind of the, the, the matching process and like excitement at, at certain things at times for me personally. How do you go about um, avoiding spoilers? Because um, it must be pretty hard to avoid some of the big stuff just existing yeah. online. No, no, for sure, definitely. And and I've luckily, like, you know, being in, being in it for, like, four years now, I sort of have figured out ways, and, like, I've had other buddies tell me, like, yeah, just do this. Just, like, just don't go on certain sites. You know, if the blog, if the, if, if the timeline's hot, just don't go on Twitter. Uh, certain things just muted and stuff like that, so... Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I honestly like I've heard like to be honest, I'm a very like uh, anti-social media kind of guy. Surprisingly, right, right, right. I just have this, like just for the past like you know a couple years, I just have like this anxiety about social media, mm-hmm. and I just don't really like even like tweet a lot of thoughts. Yeah, which must be pretty useful in avoiding. It, you know exactly. Like I'm the kind of guy. Like, I don't even like. I don't even like going on Twitter a lot. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, and it's a bad thing. Like <laughs> I should be as a social media guy. Mm-hmm. Um. So that's one of one. That's one of the ways I'm just sort of like I'm just kind of like I'll just take the bullet on that thing. Yeah. Um, I mean, often I find with with stuff if I'm watching a new show that that's not you know, and I'm watching it behind everybody else, and I'm scared of getting spoiled. I usually I worry because it, you, you don't always have to look in the specific discussions about that show to get spoiled. Mm-hmm. Like you can be looking at a, a comment thread about something else and suddenly like somebody will use a gif from the show you're watching and completely spoil something or somebody will come up with an analogy and they'll, and they'll say like, oh, it's like in such a show and this happens and you're like, oh shit, I wish I hadn't, wish I hadn't read that now. But it, it you don't, you don't know when a spoiler is going to come along in those other kind of areas, do you? Yeah, no, totally. Like there was there was one example um, where this was even I think before I had even seen Doctor Who was uh, the the I think it was 4X, the Wilf crying emoji. Mm, mm. 
It's like I hadn't even registered it's that was everywhere. Wilf. Like it's everywhere, oh, isn't it? Oh yeah, like it's like I hadn't even registered that was Wilf. You know what I'm saying? Mm, mm, mm. So when it came to them, I was like, oh shit, like that, like some of those <laughs> moments gonna happen too. It was like, oh fuck, that's that. Same thing with uh, what's it called? Uh, Sean Bean in uh, Lord of the Rings. Right, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the one does simply not. I was like, yeah. oh fuck, that's Steve. Yeah. Also the <laughs> one, the one of Tennant standing in the rain. At the end of um, at the end of Journey's End, that's a really popular gif as well, isn't it? Of him looking like forlorn, standing in the rain. Yeah, that's a pretty popular one as well too. Yeah. Um, just stuff like that. Uh, I I noticed, but um. Yeah, I guess that's okay though, because they're not really they're not really spoilers. They're more just images that are gonna pop up later. Yeah, it's just sometimes it's like oh, it's like you don't even you can't even and and uh, you know what I actually even realize a lot of the time is like they're not even some of the times they're not even like. They, they don't even really explain any of the context. Like, that's what's so much fun about TV shows. Is like, there's so much detail and denseness to the storytelling, the narratives mm -hmm. and overlapping things. Um, it, it all just, uh, when you actually find the episode in the context of it, it's, like, completely different. Yeah, you can never really, really predict. It's funny that what, you've, what you said about not watching trailers and stuff, because to me, I don't watch a lot of reaction YouTubers, but to me, the reaction, the reaction video as a genre... It, comes hand in hand with the trailer breakdown genre is that not something yeah. you do or, or have ever done um in terms of like done reaction videos to trailers or just like uh, thought of it like that uh well i guess yeah have you ever done reaction videos to trailers and and yeah is, would you be averse to that and what yeah what are your views there so i've definitely done reaction videos to trailers um but i the, the more i did them towards the end of it the more because i was it was so out of the, i guess it's two things one it was like I guess I was, I had this weird mindset. I was like, I'm only doing TV shows. That's it. That's it. You know what I'm saying? It was this weird thing. Mm, mm. Um, but I would do movie reaction trailers. Like, why not? Like, uh, sure. But then I sort of realized, I'm like, I don't really, there's not much to really react to mm -hmm. in a trailer. It's so quick. And it's, it's a sprint of a moment. It's hard to really, yeah. there's not much to grab on, in my opinion. Unless you do, unless you're really like, um, over overly analytical about it and you do those frame by frame trailer breakdowns and i think that 100%. that's kind of i don't know that takes the fun out of it for me a little bit it's yeah it's up to the person and i think you know when it comes to like you know uh source material that i'm really familiar with and i'm excited about like superhero you know stuff like mm -hmm, you know mm -hmm. spider-man trailer Avengers trailer that's i think where i i'm i can i would do it mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. but then once i start just doing things for like uh, you know, other tra other just like you know, ra other trailers. I'm not really into that, and I personally would rather just watch the movie unspoiled going in. Yeah, you know, in not? four months. Like I'll, I, like I will, like I'm the kind of guy where like I'll, you know, go on like what movie's coming out this month. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Just read the, just read the title and be like, all right, I'm going. Yeah, yeah, I love doing like, that. I, would, I love doing that. I, yeah, I've done it more often with with theater actually because it's hot. It's um easier with theater to just avoid anything about what the what the play you're seeing is about. And I remember like. You know, I've I've been to a lot of plays and and just simply read the title and not even known like whether what genre it was, like where where it was set, like who's in it, like and it's such a great it's like such feeling. a roll of the die, yeah, right? Yeah, to just watch something unfold that you you know nothing about. Oh, what was the last one you did that for? Oh, you know what? I don't remember. I used to do it a lot at university though when I was watching a lot of student theater and I would be going to the, going to watch plays pretty much every week and I just nice. yeah, I just wouldn't bother wouldn't build a uh, looking at what it was about you're, you're up to series 10 right now and uh and you're in terms of your youtube videos yes for for the youtube we are currently i think uh season 10 x3 supposed to go up this week in 10 x4 and right. uh for the, the regular series i'm caught up and are you gonna do are you gonna do the the whitaker stuff 
Oh no. Uh, yes, yes. I'm I'm fully caught up on that now. I'm I'm, I'm with everybody. Oh, you oh, so you child. Right, so you've caught up on everything. Yeah. Right, and di- and I I take it the Whitaker stuff you didn't watch while it was airing. You've had to wait until you. No. Right, right. That must have been pretty. Please. Was that was that difficult to kind of feel like everyone else was experiencing this experiencing this moment of watching series eleven and series twelve, and you kind of had to wait. I didn't really care too much because okay. uh, I, I was enjoy. Like I said, I kind of live in my own bubble, and I kind of enjoy uh, it. It and you know, you know, it's a great thing. I'll say, and I, this is a huge shout out to my Discord. Shout out to the Whale Army Discord. Y'all are amazing. I love every single one of them. They're just like a, a community that we sort of formed, and like we have, you know, different chats. Uh, there's like the spoiler free chat, and they're really on the ball with like you know removing any spoilers or anything like that, or conversations with you with new people. So they can have they, there's like a there's a Doctor Who spoilers chat which I've never opened. Right. So <laughs> they they have all their conversations, and then same thing we have a Doctor Who general chat where we have conversations. Um, so that's sort of where I've been keeping most of my thoughts and just like um, whenever I you know I'm watching the show when I was going through it. So um, shout out to them. <laughs> Surely you're able to open the Doctor Who spoilers chat now, though. Now that you've seen everything. So yeah, to be honest, now I can open it. But even so, I'm just like, yeah, I'll just keep it in the general. I don't. There's, yeah. I just, yeah, you know, there's no. I, I I was thinking, I'm like, maybe I can go like look at like forums and like all that kind of stuff now and like search it up. I'm like, you know what? Like I'm just gonna keep doing what I was doing before. Oh man, I'd be, I, I, I'd be desperate to. I'd like as as soon as I finish a show and catch up. Like at the moment, I'm watching. Um, I've been watching Money Heist on Netflix. I don't know if you've heard of that. Oh, and money! I'm, I I I have a buddy who's reacting to that show. Yeah, yeah, it's so good. And I'm like two seasons in, um, and my girlfriend's like, oh, I just want to give it a bit of a rest. Like, I want to watch something else for a bit, and then maybe we can come back to season <laughs> three later. And I'm like, no, I just want to watch seasons three and four so that I can so that I can go on Twitter and read what everyone thinks of it. Like, I want to go on the forums and I want to read Wikipedia, and I'm just always desperate to do that stuff when I finished when I finished watching something. No, that's totally fair, and and I think uh, I used to be like I I I I was like that like uh, remember like those like horror movies would come out and there'd be like an an ending they're like yo ending explains was really popular. Mm, mm, mm. I I do that occasionally for some of those horror movies that or like some like twist endings. Yeah, uh, yeah. Back back in the day. Have you have you ever um, dared to venture into the rocky territory of classic Who at all? Yes, we actually have done some classic Who, and I'm definitely not as as much as we should have. I'm I. My schedule, my schedule is always weird. I always post a schedule and I'll be late, so like I'm working on that. But uh, I definitely do want to get more classic Who in. We've got, um, we got the City of Death. Oh, it's the be- once you've done that one, like that's the best, in my opinion, anyway. That is like the classic Who story that I would show to anyone. Like I just think it it wipes the floor Yo, with all of the others. Honestly, Molly, I watched it and I enjoyed it. It was it was a lot of fun. I, uh, <laughs> uh, that was a good one. Um, saw the very first episode. Oh, that's great too. And what else did we see? We saw we saw this the Silver Nemesis. We just saw like a random pick of the random pick of the draw. And it was it was funny that we picked Silver Nemesis at a time I think in season what was it season nine or something just before the Cybermen returned. So oh, okay. my, my you know shout out to like uh, you know like Gibbsy and some of the other editors, there's people in Discord who they sort of line the things up. Yeah. Sometimes I like, can't leave, but sometimes in line just before something happens or near it. Uh huh. Um, I, what else would we done? I think that's my that might be it. Silver uh, Nemesis oh, then, is a uh, bit th- of a duffer, really. I'm not uh, not the biggest fan of Silver Nemesis. Oh, it, it, I, I, you know what it was? That was my first story with Seven. So mm. I, I actually like I really like him as a doctor, like just off of like that one minor experience. Oh, yeah, he's I think great. He's really cool. Um, and then what else? Oh, and then obviously uh, we saw the '96 movie too. We got, oh, I was going to say, have you seen the only Doctor Who story shot in Canada? 
Oh yeah, exactly. Once I heard that, I was like, you know what? Gotta represent. I love it. I love it. It's really funny. Like it's it's meant to be set in San Fran, I think, isn't it? But they they shot it in Vancouver. Um, I think because it was cheaper. Got to save that money. Yeah, yeah. Did the, do you get a lot of stuff like being shot in in Canada for for um value for money reasons? I think so. Uh, it's 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 for that. I think it's increasing slowly, but I mean. We're increasing the entertainment industry in a lot of studios. I think Pinewood's over in Toronto now, and mm. uh, all the CW stuffs over in v- in uh, BC. But um, I do cool. at my university. I'm at the University of Toronto Scarborough, and I didn't even know this until after the fact. There's a ton of shows that film there, and even shows that I've reacted to. That's so that I would be so cool. Man, I'll I'll be watching I'll be watching like Shadowhunters for example, and they'll be like, let's go to the New York Police Department headquarters. I'm like, okay, let's go, and I just see my <laughs> like my cafeteria. I say, wait a second. <laughs> well, I I'm from I live in London now, but I'm originally from Manchester, uh, UK, and um, uh, I found out a few years ago that that often gets used now as as to double for New York and stuff like um, <laughs> Cap- Captain America, the first Avenger, I think pretty much exclusively uses Manchester for its New York scenes. Um, Marvel have shot a bunch of stuff in, in Manchester doubling for New York, uh, which is pretty cool. Yeah, that, that's awesome. I was going to say, I can imagine, I'm also on Torchwood, uh, just getting to the finale, I'm in like season two, X12. I can imagine anyone living in Cardiff is like, yo. Oh my God. Like, yeah. So I, I, I've never lived in Cardiff, but I've been to Cardiff like a fair few times. And once you've been like to the city center of Cardiff, you can't, mm. you can't unsee it. Like when you watch any... Um, <laughs> episode of like i was watching face the raven the other day um from mm. series nine and there's all that stuff at the start where they're walking around and trying to find trap street yeah um and that ostensibly you know in london and i'm watching it going that is so patently uh the center of cardiff like there's no mistaking it for anything other <laughs> than the cent- center of cardiff it's really funny how how kind of blase they get about it later in, <laughs> later in the show they that's just don't so that, that's that's so amazing, and that's honestly, I was supposed, I was supposed to come to London, um, in October, but unfortunately, I got really sick. Uh, uh, I was so looking forward to like hanging out with people over there and like looking at, like going Doctor Who hunting and whatnot, and like lo- location scouting or whatever it is. Oh man, that's um, so, yeah, that's so fun doing that. I've done that when I've been to Cardiff a couple of times, and yeah, it's really fun. I'm gonna have to get some tips from you after that. Um, <laughs> about that. Yeah, I, I, I went to Cardiff uh, in. God, when must it have been? It's about 2008 or 2009. Um, and you know the scene in um, a Parting of the Ways where Rose goes in that car park and it just says Bad Wolf and it's spray painted on everything? Yeah. Um, oh, it's not a car park really. It's more like a, a sort of um, a playing area sort of thing connected to a park. Um, but I went to the park because the park next to it is where they shot the the play children's play park in... Um, army of ghosts so i went to have a look at that and then me and my dad sort of turned around and saw that that was that same bit of concrete from from parting of the ways and it says still said bad wolf um in spray paint on the wall which was pretty cool they hadn't they hadn't bothered to wash it off i'm sure um if i went back now like 12 years on it would be it would be well and truly uh washed off but it was pretty cool at the time to to see that Um, that is dope but yeah, I suppose um, it would be good then if we could start talking about some uh, unpopular opinions. Let's do it up. It well, was yeah. so funny. You, for, for those listening, Molly's like, yeah, can you just send any unpopular opinions for, for who? And I had to think of myself, I'm like, shit, like, I don't really know it's too unpopular opinion, really. But I, I, I tried to, to muster up as much as I could. 
Yeah, because we obviously, we, yeah, we had this conversation before I started recording about, well, because you've been so, <coughs> sorry, you've been in this sort of Faraday cage, protect, protected from spoilers and protected from the wider fan community. You, you haven't really had a gauge of what an unpopular opinion about Doctor Who really would be. Yeah, not not too not too too much. So, uh, but yeah, I suppose yeah. Let's get started. Um, you wanted to talk about uh, the 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 Weeping Angels first of all, didn't you? Yes. So the Weeping Angels. Okay. Brilliant concept. Awesome execution that first time around. Just were very spooky. Um, were frightening. And I think when the one Muff introduced it when he was just a guest writer mm. uh, in season three was fantastic. My unpopular opinion is I think as the series progressed, they became every iteration. I thought they got worse and worse. And this I is think what, they should yeah, have, when you told me I, this before I, we started recording, I was like, yeah, I agree. <laughs> I, I think they, I think they should have been a one off fill. I don't think they necessarily needed to come back, uh, especially because they just got less impactful every single time. And the way that they utilize them, they became more of like sort of background pieces, especially later on. Mm. Um, so yeah, that just this is sort of what I, what I thought about because I remember like when they first popped up, it was like, yo, this is this is incredible, this is you know such a cool concept, and then they'll come back the next time like, oh, they're back, that's really cool, that's exciting, and then like once it got to like some later on stuff, it's like yeah, they're just giant, uh, you know, uh, Statue of Liberties, and um, they would just be popping up in them some like even some episodes where you don't think they're gonna be there necessarily, they yeah. kind of just pop up and be in the graveyard and or for sure like in time of the Doctor where there's that sequence in the snow where. The, the doctor and clara are walking through uh and the, the the angels are sort of poking their arms out of the snow and stuff yeah it just sort of it just sort of cheapens that initial fa- effect that i think they used to have that was so um you know impactful early on um i i definitely agree i think in in blink in that first story they're they're very much they're conceived of as part of that blink narrative aren't they they're like they they exist because the story of Blink needs them to exist, and I think that it's a problem with a lot of Doctor Who villains actually is that when you try them try and roll them out again for another adventure, it's like, well, what does it mean to have these villains in the story this time? Yeah, like because because they they serve as a focal point, the drive, and then after the fact, it's like, is it is it? Could you could you have made another impactful villain? or a like a new sort of staple mm. instead of going back to that each time mm, mm. I mean I, I, I sort of think I think you're right as well that like their impact diminishes each time I'd say like the time of angels where they come back for the first time um in that in the Matt Smith story I think is uh is pro- is like still a really good story and does a lot of good stuff mm-hmm. but I think when they like like you said like when they start coming back again in in angels take Manhattan and in other stuff that's when it becomes like Okay, I think maybe it's done now. I think I think it was probably fair enough to bring them back in Time of Angels, but after that, yeah, yeah. And even that one, I think that's when that's when they started even changing not the lure per se, because I think I I forgot I forgot what the exact I guess explanation was at the time, but um, like when they remember they showed them their heads turning and stuff like that, and yeah. Like the scary, I think one of the, the, the I guess the horror thrill elements to it was just um like this the frame skipping and how they just pop up after you turn the lights on and off. Mm-hmm. And it's, then they started showing them moving. It was still creepy. It's it's still creepy and it's still yeah, they still work as a threat, but you're right that I mean that that moment where they start moving visibly moving is was a really controversial moment because obviously the thing in Blink is that not only not only do the characters have to keep looking at them for the, to to keep them uh, to keep them still, 
the the camera has to keep its gaze on the weeping angels as well so we mm-hmm. we are as viewers we are participants in that story in a massive way um and the time of angels or flesh and stone i can't remember which part of that story it is but it does kind of cheapen that that we are now able to be more passive and to watch the angels move do you know what i mean yeah no i i it's yeah i feel you on that with with regards to them um and i'm trying to think what was their their later one we had them in yeah, blink time of the angels um well their only other big story is angels take manhattan which i have angels all take- sorts of problems with but yeah Oh no way! Really? What was uh? What what? Angels take Manhattan. I thought I thought that was a pretty good episode, but it would or just the way that they were utilized. Yeah, I mean, I I don't I don't love the way they use the angels in that one, but like I mean, I've talked about this on the on the show before, but um, it's it's more like Rory and Amy's ending in that one. I think is, I just think it's so bad. I think it's the worst the worst choice Moffat ever made, and on a, like a a macro level about the about his characters, I just don't think it. I don't think it works Ooh. at all. Um, okay, we're gonna have a conversation about this after. Your, <laughs> your thoughts just, on that one? Yeah, I mean, I, I'll go over it again quickly because I, I obviously I have mentioned it on the podcast before, but it was like fifty episodes ago, so I don't um, necessarily expect everyone to have heard it. Um, yeah, it's more, it's uh, you know, throughout that whole um, season seven A where Rory and Amy are having their final few adventures with the Doctor, they're setting up this thing about them as a couple having grown out of adventuring with the Doctor and this idea that they're gonna settle down into their you know that they're, they're, they're juggling the, their life with the doctor and their ordinary life and i yeah, think that was a weird t- that was a weird time it's a really weird time but i think the point it's making is you know that they're, they're kind of they're on borrowed time now with their with their, their life with the doctor and that it's time for them to to grow up and to settle down and that's that's been amy's whole story from the start and it, it, wouldn't it be wouldn't it have been fantastic if they just said to the doctor look we've kind of had enough like we've had fun with you but we need to we need to settle down now and and live our life on earth and have a child and all that stuff and i think that would have been a braver way to write them out but moffat versus like the versus like the shock value saying look exactly i think thrown back in the in the 50 that was a really shocking yeah twist I, i think moffat was a little bit um lured in by by tumblr wanting a sort of massive tearjerker in the tradition of rose or donna's exit do you know what i mean yeah i i definitely see where you're coming from and especially since they were like that season seven like 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 that like getting into season seven where like amy's and rory have like a nearly divorce and she's sort of becoming this this model they could have just segwayed it in a really just neutral route they're like yeah like we're just done and that's where i thought they were going with it remember it was it uh was it the, not the God Complex, the uh, the Cube episode where he's like yeah, invading the, their the lives. Power of three. Like, the Power of Three, yeah, yeah. He's like invading their lives and like you can see them like visibly getting, yeah, you're right, they were getting, they were kind of leading towards that. Yeah, and it just seemed like he, yeah, Moffat kind of pulled, pull, pulled the rug from under your feet at the last minute and I know that's what he's kind of known for and that's what I love about him as a writer, but not in a good way that time. It felt a little bit, it felt like there would, it would have been so tragic to just see them, like bittersweet to see them leave the Doctor amicably. Um, mm-hmm. And I, and I think that episode kind of did they mess up the the timeline with regards to like not being able to go to New York later on like did they get like kind of convoluted? Yeah, so they come up with some kind of plot contrivance so that they say oh the Doctor can't go back to New York in the in the thirties or whatever. But I, yeah, I, that was I'm just weird. never convinced by it. Really? Yeah. I mean, people say that in you know in the Return of Doctor Mysterio, 
Um, yeah. They, they say okay, that... So is that... Sorry? No, go ahead. No, I was going to say, uh, I think that, went, that episode went up recently, and I think, like, somebody is saying, I think I actually agree with it. That should have been, like, a, a parallel universe storyline, just, just for how, like, out of the, I guess, tone it felt and just so how comic booky it was. It's Yeah, it's so tonally different to everything around it. I mean, obviously, Doctor Who does its own take on various genres all the time, but that one really is pretty wild in terms of being a, a crazy genre par parody. So what was the relation to New York with that episode? Because it was in the city, right? Yeah, and there's a, there's a bit at the start when the Doctor first meets Grant as a child, and he's he's mucking about with a, a piece of equipment on on like a roof and people say that yeah. that's that's his attempt to kind of make new york more accessible to him again so that he can he can land there more often mm. and maybe visit amy and rory but um it's just a fan oh, theory. No yeah okay um but yeah no in terms of the angels role in that story in angels take manhattan yeah yep. you're right that they just that they, they <laughs> It feels like they're in that story because Moffat needed a big bad rather than because the story really suits them. Mm -hmm. And me? at that point, yeah, no, I, 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 I agree with you on that end. And uh, at that point, we already know the, the lineage with, with River mm -hmm. when, she's in the, when she's in it heavily. And I guess because they wanted to do the time travel element, it was, it was a good sort of before they got into the angels and everything, I guess, uh, later on in that crazy ending. Um, it was I I like the set piece of New York and I like kind of the old timey vibe to it mm. um and the aesthetic but it would have it might have been interesting if they'd done a different even if they had decided to go back in time if they had used a different means whether it was like a, a, a like they got stuck or something and it wasn't without the angels like they could have been done mm, mm, definitely what do we what do we think about the angel the statue of liberty being an angel <laughs> <laughs> it's like you know what? At the time I saw, it, I was like, "Yo, this is hype." Because I always, I had a, this on-running joke in, in in my reactions for who is they have to have massive versions of everything. I I was saying they got to make a giant TARDIS. They did it. I said they got to make a giant <laughs> Dalek. They did it. You know, I I don't know if I said they had to make a giant a giant uh, a giant uh, Statue of Liberty, not per se or angels, but they went and did that. So yeah, I kind of you're found so it right fun, about that. Like they do the giant Cyberman, don't they, in the next Doctor with the, yeah, they, the Cyber they, they King. Do the, and they, Oh yeah, hundred percent. They do that too. So I thought that was so funny how they ended up doing that with the angels too. Kind of silly. Um, I guess I could have qualms with it, but I kind of found it funny. Yeah. One thing people often point out is that um, the statue of Liberty is apparently like made of copper, not stone. Is that true? Ooh. I feel like that's true. They, did, they didn't do their their due diligence on that one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but because um, it used, to, I think it used to be like a different color. I don't know about about the history of the statue of Liberty, but um, yeah. <laughs> apparently um moffat got the idea for the for the angels from a, a statue that he saw in the garden of like a house that he was staying in on holiday mm. like he was trying, that makes a lot he of was sense. trying to write and he just looked out the window and saw this this like creepy statue and he was like i'm sure that just moved no 100 percent. and like hats off to moffat like he and not just him but you know russell c davies uh and other people have guests on who are really great at making the un what normally would not be scary or you would put a, a second thought into you know yeah yeah spooky. yeah making the I think making the ordinary uncanny oh no 100% like i'll be i'll be walking past the graveyard and i'll see a statue be like oh fuck that i'm out. like <laughs> i'll just i'll start just like picking up the face of it you know i think i think definitely as well like the the weeping angels in particular are, are a massive success story in you know when you think about the fact that 
Doctor Who obviously has its its iconic monsters and the Weeping Angels of all the monsters that have been newly introduced in in New Who are definitely mm-hmm. the most iconic and the most the most influential. Yeah, they're, they're I'm sure you're right. That's a great point. There how many other really original uh monsters are, are there not including, you know, the previous history of Who, which is with New Who? Um I can't really think of any big staples other than the weeping angels all too much there's you know there's like strax and there's like his the doctor's allies yeah but like actual villains I, I mean you've got the jadoon and the ood are the other big are the other big ones that are kind of more household names than others i think that they, they've they've definitely got a they've got a place in the rose gallery i think the role yeah I, i'm trying to think could there have been more maybe but i think with the way i, I think the way that they progressed the who storyline over time they did a really good job even without you know a long rotation of like bigger villains yeah, it's funny because obviously in for the first few seasons, once a season they reintroduce a classic Who monster, and it after a while, after like maybe four seasons, it was like, okay, we're really we're really going down the list now, <laughs> and there is <laughs> a, was, there aren't really any more that are good enough or notable enough to start reintroducing. And you know, I started to pick up on that as I was going through. Like, I I, th- I think season two is my probably the most. Uh, my best accuracy rate at just predictions. Um, I would say, like, because I would notice it too. I was like, okay, so it's got to, I mean, My head is always like, it's either the Daleks or the Cybermen. So when the Angels came, I was like, oh, new Challenger approaches. <laughs> What's crazy, though, is that I, I remember um, when they announced before Series 12 that the Jadoon were coming back, and everybody was, like, losing their minds, and it was like, oh, my God. Like, they've not been in the show since, like, meaningfully since, like, I don't know, like, 2000, 2007, really, as a, as a Jadoon-focused story. And it was... Was there a Jadoon with, with Clara? The, yeah, Jadoon popped up here and there in, like, background roles during the Capaldi era yeah. and the Smith era, but, like, never as a focus of the story. So it was pretty cool to see, like, a new Who monster getting celebrated for making a comeback, like, within the history of new who does mm-hmm. i mean I, for me it demonstrated how long the show's been back now that's a great that's a really great point and like for example for me i'm like that's only like a, like uh like i didn't even really think about that because i'm like going through one at a time i think you know spacing it out of the season every every little bit but um, yeah like uh the jadoon to like to me that's in recent memory whereas you're right that was you know nearly a decade yeah or something like yeah. that um, oh yeah that must be pretty weird like you've not really got the perspective of and I love the Jadoon. I'd say I'd yeah. say they're probably like my they're probably they probably are my favorite or my second favorite you know race like in the like aliens in the uh, mm. in the Who universe. Just just I think it goes Slavine and then Jadoon. <laughs> oh my God, Slavine! Yeah, I, I'd I love to love see this. I'd love to see the Slavine again. They like they like they got you. Like I know we're not really talking about future episodes or anything like that, but I would love for them to bring Nine back with the Slavine with Jody. I would I would just I would. Ugh. I mean, oh just having God. this Ladine would be amazing. I, I again, it's like that's been so long now. You know, it's we've not had this Ladine story since two thousand and five, and like yeah. that, that that would be a situation kind of like the Jadoon, but more where like people who, people like me who were kids in two thousand and five would be so excited to see the to see the Ladine back. Like it's a nostalgia thing now, which is crazy. Mm-hmm. 
It's no, hundred percent. Yeah. I, I could I could totally see people like getting getting really jazzed about that. I would be so jazzed about that. Oh my goodness. It would be so cool. Although apparently the the costumes have they'd have to make new costumes because the costumes have like um, rotted away now. Oh damn, feels yeah. bad. I'm, they'd yeah. probably CG it if anything. Oh my god, yeah. I mean, well, it's interesting with the Slitheen because I know we're not supposed to be talking about Slitheen here. We're supposed to be talking about angels, but you know, <laughs> I, will, I will never um, turn down an opportunity to talk about Slitheen. Um, but yeah, they were they were one of the first. Um, aliens where they attempted to do both the cgi model and the costume it's like a mixture in in that story of of uh cgi uh in a, in a costume and it didn't yeah. it didn't really work and they sort of learned not to do that again i think i vaguely remember that it's been a while but like i, sp- I think it was like in the, in the in the office element when they were like kind of taking over people's positions i think mm. they're a little bit more moving around there and like changing into skins yeah, so the key CGI shots are when they when they first come out of people's skins. That's CGI, mm-hmm. and also there are some shots of them like um, running across rooms like um, <laughs> really quickly, and that's CGI as well. Yeah. And it looks great, but it doesn't really match the look of when they're people in costumes and they're like wobbling around. Um, it's a little bit jarring. No, I, t- I totally but that. We got it. We got to make it happen. You'd never believe that um, the angels were people in costumes. I mean, I remember watching Doctor Who Confidential no and being way. absolutely shocked by that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. It's all costumes. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's just new knowledge to me. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, it's nuts. It's really nuts. Um, Cool. Do do we want to talk a little bit about the, the Series 7 episode you wanted to discuss as well, then? Yes. Yes, Molly. There's there's a couple of Series 7 episodes. I know I know season seven's a little is is, is pretty much of like it's pretty mixed bag, especially considering the you know what what happened in that season. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are some episodes where I think I actually really liked. Um, in particular, I think I'm gonna talk about this one. I don't know if we have time for this, the other one, but the Crimson Horror. I fucking love that episode. <laughs> it to me balances the 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 fun uh you know, I think like who at almost its top for just its its silliness, its fun factor, um, without going overbearing. Like it, ba- I think it walks the fine line so perfectly. Like her opening up her her like whatever her shirt it is, and you just see a, a fucking lobster, is so funny. It's so the and sort it, of thing you couldn't do on any other show. Yeah, it's like it, that. Like even Riverdale, I think that's even too far for them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But for some, but for some reason, especially like it, that's where that's just before I think the series gets a little more serious before they kind of pivot out of Matt Smith. It just works so well. Um, the the act the actress the uh, the actress who plays um the lead in that one, the guest, uh, mm. she is so chaotic, and um oh you Di- know, Diana Rick I'll... who plays um yeah yeah she, what is interesting actually she fun fact for you I don't really know this already but she um her daughter in that you know her daughter who's blind who she's experimented yes. on. It's her real life yes. daughter, the actor. Oh no way! Yeah. See, like that, 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 that's another information I didn't I didn't know. That's awesome. Uh, also, I I learned the uh, what's it called tenant. Uh, what's it called? What's it? Speaking of that, uh, Jenny is tenants. Uh, they're they're married. Yes. In real life, right? Yes, and of course, um, her father is Peter Davison. Is the, the fifth f- doctor. is is, yeah. a, is the is the other, other doctor right? Yeah. Mm. That's like that's so cool. It's pretty crazy to be honest that uh, that um those their kids have got like Doctor Who as their dad and also Doctor Who as their granddad. <laughs> you know right? And it's the like, doctor's a... daughter as their mom. Yeah, that's a, that's a there's a uncanny turn of events on that one. Definitely. Um, but yeah, the Crimson Horror um it just 
I think I think it just balances all those elements so well. And like, I remember when I first watched, it, I didn't know what to make of it. And that's what's so that's what's so unique about the episode. You go like thirty minutes into it, and you really don't know what to feel about it. At least that's how I found. I'm like, what is going on here? You know, the doctors all red. You know, um, well, you don't see the doctor. I think for the for about the first fifteen minutes, you don't you don't see the doctor at all. It's basically a it feels like a Paternoster Paternos the gang um, spin off episode almost. No, exactly, and 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 I think that's also what makes it stand out. The the fact that they sort of go this oddball approach to even just the execution of it. Mm. Um, the, the you know they have the friends involved, the the the, the companions, the like the, the co companions, um, Clara's sort of in peril as well. Um, but then just for, uh, you know, sorry, you said her name. Her name's Diane, or sorry, my da- yeah, Diana Rick. She's called the actor. Yeah. Diana, just her performance, the writing, it just, and then the ending where she just pulls out a gun, it's just all uh, a level of wonkiness that I am all there for. So um, I can see where people might be not on board with that episode because it's a little, it's a kind of a hard ask, but I think it, 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 it walks the fine line really well. I think, though, and I don't know whether you agree with this, but for me, it's the kind of episode the show could do at that point in its run. It's like... You know, they never could have gotten away with that in series one or series two or series three. It's like you can only you can only do that level of wackiness and zaniness and get away with it when the when the viewer trusts you. Like, uh, imagine if that had been an episode in, uh, episode in series one that you were trying to react to. I think you probably wouldn't have been quite so happy to get on board with it. I don't know. Uh, you know, maybe because like I would, I, I take like once I get the concept of the show and I'm like, okay, I'm on board with it. I'm, I'm more attached to these characters and I can be like, oh, okay, this is a lot more fun. Uh, but even still like that, <laughs> you know, I, I probably wouldn't, but it's just so, it's just so in my line of like, I love this where they're going with it. I might've, but you're right. It, it's, they were at a point in the show where they could take the risk and it's with Matt Smith, right? Like that's a kind of story where, you know, he's like, I always say he's like that, like kind of like wacky uncle. Yeah, and even definitely. though he wasn't really, even though he wasn't necessarily the one to be in that sort of a, be the wacky person per se, just because it's within his series and then and tonally we know how he is, I think it makes sense and it and it works works better. It works really well, and it's exactly what um, Mark Gatiss is good at as well. He's writing these stories that are historicals, but they're not really historicals. They're more um, sort of wacky, tongue in cheek um, pastiches of of period drama rather than mm-hmm. rather than uh, you know a lot of the historicals in the current version of doctor who are trying to genuinely depict moments in history and that's mm-hmm. never what mark gatis is doing in his historicals you know when you think of things like the unquiet dead with charles dickens or you think of the crimson horror it's like no this is this is more of a yeah this is more of a genre mashup isn't it it's not actually trying to i don't know it's not actually trying to show you history no, exactly, and I think I think certain certain historical episodes do a really good job. At, if they, you know, they're they're focusing more on that. I'm focusing on those elements. Like I think uh, I think the Tesla episode was a pretty good example. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, that uh, I mean, that's genuinely attempt genuinely an attempt to educate, right, about a historical figure. Oh, for sure. And then uh, versus this one, like I'm looking at the picture right now of Sweetie, and I just can't help but laugh. It's so great. It's, it's so, so great. great. So yeah. So that's an episode I would say I don't know if a, if a lot of people dislike that one, but to me I fucking love it. I would like if I had to choose an episode to to go back and rewatch just to like you know sit back whatever you know have a beer whatever and just laugh at and have a good time with. I, that would be one of them for sure. Yeah, I think it's always episodes like that that you that you keep going back to with Doctor Who. Um, it, those mm-hmm. sort of comfort food episodes. 
Yeah. What what episode do you usually go back to? Oh, you know what? It's it's a weird one for me. I I would usually go back to um the Pandorica opens the Big Bang that two parter. Okay. I I know it's a bit heavier and it's not necessarily like comfort food Doctor Who, but I just I admire it as a script so much, and I'm I just find the way the way it's written so satisfying that I find it almost soothing to watch. <laughs> I just find it uh, also the eleventh hour, um the scenes ah. with um the scenes with uh Matt Smith talking to young Amy in the in the kitchen at the start. I just think mm-hmm. that is so. Yeah, so brilliant and so comforting. Nice. Okay. Um, I like that. But yeah, I de- can definitely relate to why you'd feel like that about um, the, the the Crimson Horror. And, and you mentioned the other one in that season, the other Gatiss episode, Cold War as well. Which, yes, I did. Yeah, Sorry. which is which is another historical um, and another one that's sort of more just parodying the genre. It's like, okay, we're going to do a Cold War like submarine film now. Mm-hmm. So with with that episode, I don't think uh, I is I I like that episode. I think more than I had thought. Um, mm. be, just because I thought it was a I thought it was I think the first half of it. Also the cameos too. We have Dav, uh, you know, uh, da- Davos. Oh, Davos, are these? I think. Are these no, people? Not Davos. These people from um, Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones. Yeah, I'm not a Game of Thrones viewer, but I'm aware. Oh, that no, no, there are stars of Game of Thrones in Cold War. Totally. I think there's two of them. Uh, mm. So that was a lot of fun. And I just think, you know, when we just sort of teleport and we get right into this, this you know, Cold War ship, uh, I think the first, like, 30 minutes of it really exciting. And I think they nailed, if I'm not mistaken, uh, the horror elements. And I really like the color grading with all, like, the blue and the and the red lighting. Um, and that was the first time I had met the Ice, ice Warriors. So I thought mm. they, the lead-up to them was really cool. I think, if I recall my, my memory, I think the ending of the episode was kind of disappointing. But I think that first 30 minutes, was, I really was into it so i think it's an episode where maybe people necessarily didn't love it off the bat uh maybe not loved it but that was one i thought was kind of underrated i think i liked that one yeah i remember uh, at the time thinking it was kind of just unremarkable and then going back like, and watching like it and, yeah and finding it a little better than i remembered it's got you're right that it's got like a great sense of atmosphere um like all the or everyone's really wet all the time and like all the, <laughs> yeah, the lighting they, is like really foreboding i really love that and there's like a there's like an alien esque vibe to it, if I'm not mistaken. Mm, the ice, ice warrior sort of popping in and around by itself, and you don't know what it looks like. At least for me, like I don't know what the hell an ice warrior is at the time, right? Um, so I thought that was that was kind of cool. So that's just one that comes off the top of my head. Um, yeah, there's definitely an alien vibe when you could, when the the ice warrior is out of its suit and you can they can hear it moving around and they don't know where it's going. It reminds me in a way of. I'm going to unfavorably compare it to a Chibnall episode now, which is something I've told myself I'm Go not. I'm going to stop doing. But um, in the <laughs> sar- in the Saranga conundrum, when they can hear the p- the hear the pating, uh, kind of moving around, and they don't know, uh, you know, they don't know who where it's going or or, or what it looks like. Um, and I think that's kind of the effect. The effect they were aiming for there in the Saranga conundrum is is the one that we get in Cold War, um, when we, we we yeah we just don't know where the Ice Warrior is going to gonna pop up next no definitely so i think that's what the thought i had on that one and then i don't know if was there another unpopular opinion because if you want there's one in season 10 that's upcoming because i don't know how quickly you're gonna post this 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 podcast so i don't know if that episode will be out yet i i'm gonna put this out probably in about a fortnight in about two weeks time okay so i think the episode will be out so if you want molly we can talk about what probably is my least favorite episode of all of doctor who in season 10 i really want to know what it is yeah (laughs) <laughs> okay okay so um 
I know, I know. I, I when I was Molly asked me for notes for some episodes, I said, um, I think. Well, actually, one of the unpopular opinions was I don't think Love and Monsters is the worst episode because <laughs> I know it, it typically is. Um, I actually think it's Doctor Who season ten, episode four. Um, knock knock. I think it's knock knock. Oh yeah. my god, really? So I think that's an unpopular opinion for me. Yeah, I mean, uh, knock knock's not like loved like people don't love knock knock but i think it's it's unpopular to consider it the worst of the worst what did you what did you hate about it so much man i don't know i i was watching it and i was just so flabbergasted at the just the general concept of them going into this house having all these kids there and then them losing it it was just like to me it was just like dumb decision after dumb decision (laughs) and then and i just i i I honestly need to i'm excited for my reaction to go because i just remember just being like what the like i was just dumbfounded like what am i watching right now especially because i love the premiere uh of 10x1 with bill Mm -hmm. and then once they started just going and i I was seeing where they're going with the episode and like these kids were annoying me i think i didn't like how they were being written uh and the concept of the wood and then once the wood beings came out i think i was just pulled all the way i said what the fuck am i watching right now so that to me I thought the writing was really off too for Capaldi. Um, it just didn't sit well with me. And I, th- you know, maybe I'm, maybe I'm, I'm over exaggerating here, but it's probably one of my least favorite episodes of the series so far. It's really oh, interesting. Okay. I, I, I actually like it quite a lot, but I, I, I think it goes off the rails at the end when all of the, um, you know, when all of Bill's friends just come back from the dead miraculously. Yeah, they all get sucked up one by one when they're playing the music and stuff like that. It just it kind of kills it for me when they when they're just back. It's like I don't know. It make it makes things feel a little bit consequenceless. Uh, but but I understand why they had to do that because they just they couldn't just mercilessly murder all of Bill's friends. But I, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's it's a hard one. I think making them making them Bill's mates was the error because if they were if they were just randoms, then we could have just killed them all off and it would have worked really well as like a base under siege horror vibe but you just couldn't you couldn't leave bill's friends dead that would have been too cruel yeah and you know what? i think maybe it was too hard of a sell too early on in that series uh yeah probably for, for, i don't for me. know i don't know like s- similar to how you know crimson horror like yeah you know it had to be later on in the series for who and it had to be you know mm. we can like kind of see like that fits more with matt smith for me like knock knock like it was just too out there for me okay it was just yeah. there's loads of stuff i like about it though. i think david david suchet who plays the landlord He's absolutely brilliant. He's so he's so frightening. Yeah, I think he was. I think he was good. I think the mystery of it just sort of pulled me out. I was like, wait, wait, what? Like they're just in the wood. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I, I think the logistics kind of just really. I was. I don't know. I think it's uh, one of know, those to... one of those stories you've you've kind of got to buy into or not. Yeah, like I think I I'm because I'm usually really like I can really like get into stories really, like very easily, but for some reason I just I couldn't I couldn't. But um, you know what, Molly? I think I'm a I'm gonna go through it again. Yeah, because I was going to say when have, it goes have out you... and have a re- have a reevaluation of it. Maybe I'm wrong on this one. Yeah, because have have you how much rewatching of Doctor Who you've already seen have you done? To be honest, I haven't really done the most rewatching. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. The most rewatching, I the the latest one I saw I think was the Rose rewatch or like when I do occasionally right, right. like a, an, an edit. Uh, now I have Gibbsy who shout out to Gibbsy who helps me with the Doctor Who reactions. He's been doing like some crazy edits um, recently, so like I'll rewatch some of those reactions with him sometimes because I love seeing what he decides to cut and not to cut. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But like actual sit down and rewatch. I just bought David Tennant's series. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to do a sit down and rewatch uh, The Water of Mars. That's my one of my favorite episodes, I think. Hmm. 
but the Rose, I think the premiere for Rose is the one I saw recently for the tweet along. Oh, shout cool. out to uh, sh- shout out to uh, the people who organized that. Yeah. Oh my god, Emily's been doing an amazing job organizing yeah, those. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's it is funny with because obviously I I have rewatched Doctor Who like uh, again and again most of them, and it's interesting which stories go up in your estimations when you watch them again, which stories go down. It's never what you <laughs> expect. Like it it kind of because the show's so varied, it surprises you like that. I think. Yeah, and, and I think that's that's one of those things. I'm I'm excited. Cause I so I'm up to the date to this series now. So I was debating putting up like like a what's it called um like tier lists and all that stuff so i thought about it. i'm like i'm gonna wait until the youtube audience is caught up and then i feel like it'll be it'll be fair to put those sort of like polls and like big opinions on on like favorite doctors and all that kind of stuff and like favorite stories and like ranking them that'll be a good time to do all that it's always so difficult doing that ranking stories thing i've i've done it a few times and i just oh there's some decisions and i'm just like i don't know which one i like more <laughs> i just don't know <laughs> No, I can feel you on that, man. Like it would be, it would be really hard to knock down it down to like a saw. Like here are my five, here are my five. What I think are the five best episodes or my five favorite episodes of Who? Because there's so many. Yeah, like I've done. Don't get me wrong, I've done that. Like I, I did a ten, a, ten, a top ten on Twitter like just before Christmas, but it was, it was very much like that particular day's top ten. And if I did mm-hmm. it now, it wouldn't necessarily be the same top ten that I put out. And that's just a few months later. I mean, I've, I've been so fickle, and I've, I've changed my <laughs> mind on stories so much, like. The the one that the listeners of this podcast will know about is Hellbent. I used to be mm. a, such a Hellbent naysayer. I thought it was like, you know, a really bad story and made all the wrong choices and uh, and and stuff like that. And then I, um, I did a podcast with um a girl called Emma Jones, and she loves Hellbent. And she kind of said some things about the story that got me thinking about it in a different way. And now it's in now it's probably in my top five Doctor Who stories ever. Wow! Yeah, that's, it's, that's it, I really turned around on it, and I I, I kind of love that as well. I love that that's happened. Cause that was an episode two that I think generally people don't like, right? Yeah, I think it's, really, a, it's I think or, it's, or, a, or it's more or it's more a more mixed. Sorry, I don't, I don't, yeah, don't generally like, but more of a mixed. Sorry, it's bag. a love it or you hate it episode. I think you very rarely Most, find someone who's just like yeah. Yeah, I think it's because of like the Gallifrey. A lot of the people are upset about that, right? Yeah, there was. It's just it's such a. It's such a bold episode, like it was bound to piss some people off. Um, but I think for sure that kind of thing's worth doing. I mean, as much as like um, you know, the timeless children at the end of the last series wasn't necessarily every cup of, everyone's cup of tea, and I thought it was it didn't really sit sit well with me. Like, if there's something I do respect about it, it's it's the fact that it was bold and it like really did something crazy and it and it like rocked the boat. And I think you've got to do that like the worst thing doctor who could do is would be to to kind of rest on its laurels yeah and i i, I sort of i agree with you i agree with you on that you know maybe you know i'm not going to say necessarily how i feel about the time a child at this given moment yeah, yeah, yeah um but it is like an open-ended thing where you know they could even backtrack what they wanted what they did there if they, mm. if they really want to or they could it could be a subversion or you know it we don't know uh but it is bold like like you said um yeah, there's a, there's an extent to which if you try and please everybody um, with a show like Doctor Who, you're gonna you're gonna please no one. You know, not every era is for everyone, and not every every story is for everyone. I wonder. W- so obviously, the next time Doctor Who's gonna air is Christmas um, or around the Christmas period. Yes. Um, do you think you'll have done all of got all of your reactions out by then so that you can 
so that you'll be kind of up to date on YouTube by Christmas? Or, or, or I'd, ima- I'd, I'd, imag- I'd imagine so. I think I think it's like getting close to the end of the line now because mm-hmm. uh, there's series 10. Yeah, it, it should be done by then. And then I actually start Torchwood. I'm already two seasons Oh, you're doing Torchwood. Torchwood as well. Wow. Yeah, yeah, actually, you said you said you said Chibnall earlier. Um, I actually think I just saw my favorite episode of Chibnall, like potentially in all of Who and uh, oh, of, which uh, which which one? Or is would so that be spoiling? It, no, no, I'll, I'll I'll say which one it was for now at least. Uh, it was two uh, X twelve, uh, the episode fragments, fragments. Oh, so that's like the yeah the the season two finale one, of Torchwood. J- just before the season two finale, so leading into it, where they all kind of explode, and you learn all these new backstories. Yeah, um, I yeah, thought, yeah, yeah, I and you learn about like. That, yeah, Captain every, every, Jack you at look Torchwood. Everyone, and, you, yeah. look, you learn about Jack's backstory back in the beginnings of Torchwood to some extent, yet yeah, still not explained fully. Uh, you learn about, you know, uh, Yanto and how his relationship with Jack started and uh, the yeah, Owen one. Such a good episode, oh you're right. Yes, yeah, I forget how many of those um, those episodes from the first two seasons of Torchwood are Chibnall. I mean, I, one of the one that I love that I watched a couple of weeks back is um, Countryside. Yes, I love, I love that episode. I, I, I said the same thing. I said up until I just saw Fragments, I thought Countryside was actually a pretty fucking solid Chibnall episode. Not to, you know, put any more, more you know, stigma on Chibnall or whatever, but, like, he did a really good job on that. Like, this the version of you just go to this country town and there's just fucking cannibals. Yeah, it's um, so great. It's so great. The whole time you're like, yeah. wait, what planet are they from? Like, what's going on? Like, what's the sci-fi <laughs> can see going to be? And then you find out, no, they're actually just, they're actually just cannibals. <laughs> Yeah, so it's really cool to, like, just, I know we're done the conversation now, but, like, since we just brought it up clearly, it's cool to see uh, his earlier, because I didn't know he was really in Torchwood. Mm. So it was cool to see, like, oh, this is where he, his earlier starts were. Um, yeah, no, it's definitely, yeah. definitely fun to see that and see which things kind of, which things kind of stick around in his Doctor Who stuff later and, and yeah, where he, where he kind of uh, diverges from that. Um, it's really cool. Oh, totally. Um, it's going to be interesting come Christmas, actually, with, with the Doctor Who special, because um, obviously... I keep thinking about the fact that obviously productions halted on most TV shows worldwide mm-hmm. and Doctor Who is going to be one of the few shows that has an episode recorded um like way in advance so I think it's going to be such a massive part of the UK kind of um TV schedule around Christmas time because there won't be many other shows that have got an episode ready Do you know what, what I mean? is what is what is the average turnaround time for a season of who is it like 2 years well, it's changed. It's changed since Chibnall took over. He's taken. He's taken a little bit longer with each season. Um, mm. Yeah, because they've it, shrunk it. They've shrunk it down. Because it used to be like what the thirteen. Now it's just like a straight ten. It's just yeah. It's just ten episodes now, and it takes a little bit longer. Um, but yeah, so it's it's been about eighteen months per of production for each each series. Um, I don't know. I don't know whether they were supposed to have started making series thirteen already or not. Um, but I know that I know they've definitely shot and finished the the Christmas one. Um, okay. Because well, they, we can, they we can shot have, we can that have with, a... yeah they shot that with series twelve. So. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, that yeah. makes that makes sense. We can have a, we can have a little. I want to get you some some go back and forth with you about season twelve quickly. But I, we'll talk about that another time. Definitely <laughs> on, on, on the podcast. Great. Well, thank you so much for for talking to me, um, Michael. Where where can people find you on various platforms and and what have you got kind of coming up in terms of your videos? Uh, yeah, if you guys are interested uh, in checking me out, you can check me over at failwell 34 on Twitter, Instagram. Um, yeah, I think that's – on and YouTube, <laughs> hopefully there. Um, and just thank you so much, Molly. I really appreciate you having me on here, and uh, it was cool. This is my first time doing a podcast on Doctor Who, honestly. Um, oh, cool. 
Well, it's it's been a pleasure to been a pleasure to have you. Um, but yeah, uh, thanks uh, so much for to me, talking to me, Michael. I've got more episodes um, coming up uh, soon. Bye bye, everyone.